Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Well, look who's back from the dead. Yes, you are hearing my voice. And yes, it is a new podcast. Today is Sunday. It is the 19th of October, 2014. Let's see if I can remember how to do this. And let's see if my my puny little voice muscles will hold up. All right, a bunch of stuff to talk about. We have some feedback from the last uh, couple of shows. It's been probably about a month, almost two Well, I guess it's been a month since Ken and I did a show, and then it was about another month before that. So, And some of this feedback that we have came from the show before last, so it's been a couple of months. So I apologize to everybody that sent in the stuff. Recently, my weekends have all been taken up, either with family stuff or there's just, you know, other junk around here that's just got to get done. Um, and I think what I'm going to be able to do is maybe go with a, a midweek recording and, and be able to get something out by Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'm going to try and be pretty consistent with that. I think I've got some some time um, sort of carved out to be able to do the show. With that, I think what I also might be doing, and no promises here, but I think I might also be starting up with Armed Ape again. So I know a lot of you guys that listen to uh, this show liked that show, uh, liked what we used to do there. We used to have a lot more listener um, participation. Don't have as much, of course. Obviously, I haven't been doing the show. It's almost been, I think, a year since I've done one of those. But I do want to start that up and... um, it's going to be a little bit different format, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll hopefully maybe belt one of these out this week and uh, for the Armed Ape over there. So anyway, good news for everybody. Um, let's see. You know, I did one of, the th- one of the things or one of the reasons why that uh, I haven't been able to get in on the weekends is we've, like I said, we've had a lot of family stuff coming up. Also, my daughter's school, the way that it works, she gets a little bit longer spring break. Her school does that thing. It's basically like a modified year round. So you get shorter summer um, and then that you kind of make up for it. Sometimes they'll give you a little bit longer. So instead of two weeks, you get 
for Christmas, you'll get maybe three. And instead of one week for spring break, you get two. So a lot of times what that means for me uh, is that those, those weekend times are taken up. And then also anytime that I could maybe do stuff during the week is also going to be taken up. That So that time gets, uh, gets spoken for rather quickly. Uh, but one of the, anyway, one of the things we did is we went to Missouri and we went to Branson and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, some of you guys I'm sure have been there having grown up in Oklahoma, the actual environment of the place or the scenery, you know, looks all the same and everything. Now, Missouri is a state that does honor Arizona's, uh, concealed carry license or permit, whatever you want to say. Um, I ended up not taking uh, my handgun with me. Part of the reason is, um, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to travel, but it's not, you know, it's not that bad. But part of the reason was the gun that I would want to take, which would be the Glock 17. Or even, even if I was going to take, I've got a 26, which I'm going to probably sell here pretty, pretty, any, uh, gee whiz. Help if I could, if I could talk. All right. Anyway, let's get back on track. I'm probably going to be selling my Glock 26. Now, the way the way that you have to fly with guns is the way that TSA wants, and, and depending on the airline, they may have certain restrictions and things like that. With the regulations for TSA, you need to have it in a in a in a separate case that's going to be inside checked luggage, like for the for the handgun thing. What the airlines are doing now is they're charging you pretty much for everything. They're nickel and diming you. And it was going to basically put us over the weight limit to, you know, and, and uh, for our checked bag and all this other stuff. Anyway, basically, it was just going to be kind of too much of a pain in the ass. What I am looking for and what I've talked about in past shows, but I never kind of pulled the trigger on them, is getting maybe a little Ruger LCP. Uh, and now that the Glock 42 is out, I thought, well, maybe something like that might be a really good travel gun. And so I wanted to kind of throw it out to you guys. What do you think would make a really good travel gun? So something where you could buy kind of like a small case, um, maybe like a smaller Pelican case where it's not going to take up that much room, uh, but you still have to be able to, the case like, well, for instance, the case has to have its own locks plus you need to be able to padlock it uh is how i understood the thing and now unless tsa or something has changed that um by doing it that way you're pretty much guaranteed that they couldn't they couldn't like get you on a technicality and say oh sorry you know your case doesn't meet the standards so you we're not going to allow you to do it we're not going to allow you to take your gun with you that type of thing so anyway what do you think would be like a really good, again, travel gun? Uh, do you think something like the Glock 42 would work? Do you think something like uh, some, I know Sig makes some small guns. Probably for me, I'd want it to be in uh, something not like a 22. So not like taking a, um, oh, what is it? Um, is it North American Arms that makes a lot of the little smaller 22s? Although I guess, you know, if you had to, you had to, um, or maybe you could get something of theirs that maybe was in 22 Magnum, um, because something that would, you know, obviously would be better than nothing. Uh, now something like that, you know, if you were, if, if you were saying, well, if you just wanted to have something that you could re- literally just 
put in your pocket and nobody's even going to know it's there at all. Um, something like that might work. And for some people that say, well, you know, a 22 is not really a, a legit, um, self-defense round. Again, uh, this would sort of be with that caveat that it's better than nothing, but I'd like to hear from you guys. Let me know sort of what you think. And even if it's, you're hearing this two or three weeks or two or three months later, don't be shy. Go ahead and send in some feedback. All right. Now, speaking of feedback, let's go ahead and jump in. And this is from first bit of feedback we have is from Alex and he writes in and he said, Tony, I was listening to the new podcast this morning and you, while you were mentioning looking for an Aimpoint Pro, I was screaming aim surplus and Palmetto state arms. I typically see the Aimpoint Pro on sale at Aim Surplus for about $379 with free shipping. I occasionally see it on sale at Palmetto State Arms for $359 uh, with $7 or free shipping depending on the specials that they're running. You can also purchase a $100 Palmetto State Arms gift card for $90 occasionally which would give you another $30 off if you use three of those gift cards. This means that you could theoretically get a brand new Aimpoint Pro for $329. Alex, further, yeah, I was going to jump in with stuff, but I'll go ahead and read his whole thing. So uh, we continue. Alex uh, further writes, I didn't even know that Mega Arms made a pimp trigger. That's awesome. A 4.5 pound single stage trigger sounds absolutely perfect. The ALG ACT, which I run now, breaks beautifully, but it's at six pounds. Four and a half pounds would be tits. I'm really looking forward to hearing your review on this trigger. Please tell me you're getting the Chrome version. On another topic, I took a 15-year-old boy. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Well, hey, we'll keep reading here. On another topic, I took a 15-year-old boy shooting yesterday to teach him gun safety and to let him shoot an assortment of guns. He was not allowed to touch any firearms until he could recite the four gun safety rules. We also discussed why each was important. He did a pretty good job of sticking to the rules as we shot a suppressed Ruger 10-22, an AR-15 with open sights, and uh, one with an Aimpoint Pro, um, an M1 Grand, and a suppressed Ruger twi- uh, excuse me, 2245. To bring this full circle back to the Aimpoint Pro, this kid who had never shot a rifle was getting 70% of his shots on an 8-inch and 6-inch plate at about 100 yards. He also dinged the 4-inch plate a few times. It was rewarding to instill some firearm safety with this young man and stoke the flames of interest in firearms. He explicitly expressed several times that he had a great time and was grateful for allowing him to shoot several different firearms. And that again is from Alex. All right, Alex. Well, thanks for sending that in. Let's take that last thing first. You know, it's always a good deal when you can take somebody who is a non-shooter out and show them a good time with guns, show them that they're safe, show them that just because you own more than one gun, you're not a psycho. Uh, and it, it, it kind of gives them a little bit of intellectual armor, uh, And when they hear this stuff on the news and when they see this stuff on the news about how all gun owners are crazy and they're all bad and they're no good, he can look back on his experience and say, well, you know, I liked guns and I liked shooting and I had a good time and and I'm not a bad person. And the person that took me is a is a good guy and we had a great time. And, uh, you know, he's not a crazy person. He's not out there doing, you know, 
causing mayhem and doing all this other kind of stuff. So anyway, good on you, Alex, for doing that. Also, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the AR build, I guess, or where I am in that process. If you listen to the last show, uh, I'm still kind of there. I, um, I, I, in reality, what I'm kind of waiting for is I'm waiting for Bravo company to come, uh, to get resupplied or restocked with the, their key mod, their 15 inch key mod that they've got. That's the one that I want. Um, I'd looked at some uh, Noveski and a couple other things like Odin works, but the one that I really want, uh, for me is the 15 inch, um, key mod from Bravo company. One of the reasons that I'm kind of waiting on getting the bulk carrier group is I don't want to spend some of that money that I've got saved up on that. And then that key mod comes out and then it gets bought up again real quick. And then I'm sort of out of luck. Um, so I want to get that first and then I can get the bulk carrier group. As far as what I'm going to get with the bolt carrier group, um, I'm, I'd say I'm about 99% set on getting a Leitner Weiss. Now, they have come out. He's got like the nickel boron one. He's got, uh, I think it's called the nitride. And then he's also got another one called the carbonite. Um, the nickel boron and the nitride one are the same price. Um, the carbonite one is about $30 more. Now, supposedly the carbonite is like a non-porous, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's, it's the new, you know, kind of whiz bang thing. I don't know if carbonite is a kind of like a trademarked name that he's come up with, or if it's an actual thing, like, you know, you would say, Oh, this is, uh, this type of a coating, this is this, this process, that's its name type deal. But supposedly, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's, uh, very, very, very smooth, which makes it very, very slick, which means that, uh, and it also, it's, I guess, I don't know, again, I don't know enough about this stuff in reading off of his website. He's saying things like it's non-porous, um, and it's like super hard. And so it, and also the finish of it, 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 there's, there's not too much that can damage it. But as you know, as, as parts move back and forth and this and that, that finish can be just worn off. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know too, if it would be really worth, you know, is, is it just hype or is it an actual, thing that would actually be better for you long-term. And if you, and then also you could say, well, if they're kind of about the same and this one's a little bit better, if it's only an extra $30, when you look at maybe the, the whole lifetime of your rifle, it, would you really notice that $30 cost? If you know what I mean? So, you know, is it, I guess, you know, what I'm asking is, is, has anybody out there had any experience with this? Is it still kind of too new? Does anybody know anything about that coating? Um, I'd like to know, and I'm sure there's tons of other people out there that are listening that would like to know as well. So that's kind of where I am in the, in the, uh, the build. Um, I, those are about the only two things that I'm lacking as far as actual components. Um, now the, uh, the mega arms trigger, I have not ordered yet. Uh, I may go ahead and do that here in the next couple of weeks just so that I have it on hand. 
Um, and then once I do start to do the building process, I'll let you guys know, but also I'm going to film everything and put it on YouTube, uh, which you can go to their website and subscribe to my channel over there if you want. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on doing a few other videos, uh, coming up here relatively soon. Um, so, and there, there, I do talk about some different things other than just gun stuff. Uh, you know, I talk about, you know, shit hit the fan things and, um, there's a few channels that I kind of do video responses with back and forth here a little bit. So anyway, I think that about covers everything in Alex's email. So let's jump on to our next one. And this is from Bobby and Bobby is talking about the Shanine Allen case, which I, there's been some new developments with that. Uh, I say new, it's been a, probably a couple of weeks now, but we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about that here, uh, in a little bit after I get through with, uh, Bobby's email. So he writes in, he says, one thing worth mentioning is that in New Jersey, ignorance of the law is a legal defense her attorneys can use. This will allow the jury to find her not guilty, even though she did take a firearm into that state. I have a background in juvenile, yeah, excuse me. I have a background in juvenile probation also, and even though juvenile law and adult law are so different, you would think that the DA would offer a plea of reducing the offense to a misdemeanor, offer time served and probation. That way the district attorney still gets the conviction and Miss Allen can still be a contributing member of society. Just wanted to say and add that I enjoy your show and to keep up the good work. And that again is from Bobby. So thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to hear kind of from a fellow, uh, even though I've, uh, haven't worked in there for a number of years, uh, fellow juvenile probation officer. Uh, so if you're still doing that, I feel your pain anyway. Um, you know, one, just a real kind of quick aside, he does bring up a point or makes a point, And this is something that I've talked about before too, is that juvenile law is much different than adult law. How, how you're treated as in a juvenile, as a juvenile, excuse me, is much different. Uh, and the things that they can either punish you with or offer to you are, are oftentimes very, very different. Uh, so anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Shanine Allen case. The, the, the really quick Cliff Notes version is that she is a Pennsylvania resident. She had a concealed carry permit from there. She had her gun with her when she went to the neighboring state of New Jersey. She was pulled over, I think, for... Uh, DWB, which is driving while black. And during that stop, she was, she volunteered, oh, I've got this firearm, blah, blah, blah. Under the mistaking, mistaking presumption that she just needed to inform the officer and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. At that point, she was arrested. I believe she spent about 40 days in custody. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was about 40 days. She was eventually released. The prosecutor offered her, uh, as part of a plea agreement, three years in prison, uh, which was uh, basically the mandatory minimum. They did have the option, though, to do, I think it's uh, pretrial intervention, which they chose not to do at that time. Uh, they were going to go ahead and move forward with the with the um, the charges, which would make her, if she was found guilty, a felon. And she would be facing three years in prison. Now, this was a person who had no prior criminal record. 
She was a single mom, had two uh, uh, younger children. Um, I believe one of us, maybe 10 or 11, the other one was around like five or six, something like that. Anyway, um, if the prosecutor, since she didn't take the plea deal, they were looking to go for around probably about 10 years that they were looking to put her in prison for, which would mean that her 11-year-old kid, when you think about it, would be 21 years old when his mother got out of prison. And her other son would be 16. So for those of you guys that have children, think about uh, if you've got older children or, you know, if you think about all that time that you would have to be away from your kids and how much damage would be done to your children and to your family by having something like that happen. The, the prosecutor in this case I can only say was looking to, I guess, maybe to make political gain. Um, as I had talked about on a couple of shows before, uh, you know, there, there was really for him, no, there was no downside for him because if, if he, if he went ahead and got the conviction and she was found guilty and she went to prison, he wins. If he went ahead and the jury says, no, this is ridiculous, we're throwing this out, um, you know, this is basically cruel and unusual punishment, um, he still wins because he says, look, I went forward, the justice system, this is how it's set up, and, you know, I may not agree with it, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, he again, that person would not, would not lose, so to speak. However, public outcry was such that and public pressure was put upon them uh, from all sorts of different fronts. And we talked about before that even anti-gun people were kind of like, ah, oh, you know what, this is not who this was designed to, to catch. And you're basically destroying a woman and destroying her family uh, by doing this. So, due to all the public outcry and due to all the public pressure, she was allowed to do the pretrial intervention type stuff. Now, what this means is that basically it's like she will have never have gone to court. And once she meets the requirements, whatever those things are going to be, then it's like it never happened. Um, there would still maybe be an, an arrest thing, but it would, it would almost be treated kind of like a traffic ticket type deal. Um, now also on an interesting kind of side note, I, uh, I was looking, looking up some information about this stuff the other day. It turns out that, um, the, the, uh, state's attorney general's office basically sent a memo and this is from John J. Hoffman, who's the acting attorney general. So he's going to be kind of the, the head poobah over everybody as far as state prosecution goes. And basically he sent out a uh, 10 page clarification document on, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says the clarification of the quote graves act, close quote, 2008 directive with respect to offenses committed by out of state visitors from states where their gun possession conduct would have been lawful. Now, what happens here is, well, 
like like we said before, so now she's 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 able to do the pretrial intervention or what they call PTI. The document that was sent out from Mr. Hoffman is basically 10 pages of saying, look, man, pull your head out of your ass. This is not the, you know, this is not the person that we're really looking to in to convict or to punish with this act. You've got to understand though, the, the importance of this stuff and, and what it kind of really means and what it really speaks to. When you're seeing things like that, when you're seeing like a 10 page directive of basically saying, don't be an idiot. What you're not going to hear on the news and what they're not going to talk about is that this acknowledges how nonsensical and how draconian and how un well I, I'll go ahead and and how unconstitutional the actual laws that they have are when they're having to say okay number one in the first place our laws were so crummy that we had to and we we did all this uh, mandatory sentencing and that you can't you know go beyond this other stuff and it has to be this way there's no leeway there is no discretion offered to the judges once this thing goes forward that we had to set up a thing like a pre-trial intervention thing because our laws are so poorly written and so poorly executed that we're trying to fix we're trying to put a band-aid on these really bad laws and then they're having to go back and and issue a 10-page document basically saying again the same thing this law is so terrible and so poorly written and so poorly executed that we're having to put in and spell out basically all these loopholes to tell you what should just be common sense. What they really need to do to fix that is to go in and get rid of this Graves Act or to make it, if they're, if, you know, if they're not going to do that, which they're not, um, to make it to where it would make some sense. But I, you know, I, I realize even as I'm saying that, that that's never going to happen. And, and uh, they're, they're not about making appropriate laws, uh, not just in New Jersey, but pretty much uh, in, in most of the states that we live in. You know, even when we, we look at states like Arizona, uh, states like Utah, there is still a lot of nonsense that is going on uh, in our legal system, especially, especially when it pertains to firearms. Uh, the possession and carrying and, and uh, things of that nature. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Um, if you just like Google maybe clarification of the Graves Acts from in New Jersey, something like that, I'm sure you'll probably find a PDF of, of, uh, of this thing. You know, there was also an interesting thing that's down in Florida, kind of as a, a quick aside, um, I think her name is Marissa Alexander. She was the woman that, uh, was it a couple of years ago where she fired kind of a warning shot? I guess her husband was getting ready to kick the shit out of her. And so she kind of fired a warning shot as opposed to shooting him. And then because of, again, because of Florida's nonsense of not allowing the judges and the juries to have any discretion, um, she was going to face something like, I want to say maybe like 20 years in prison. And in fact, they had, I think they had convicted her of it. 
and they came. And I think this happened maybe even four years ago. So I think this this stuff originally happened maybe in 2010, and then by the time it got through the all the court system, it had been a couple of years, and then it's a couple of years after that. Um, I don't know if she was actually in jail or if she was out like on a house arrest or what was going on with her. I don't, if anybody has kind of the details of that. And again, her name, uh, was Marissa Alexander. Looks like she has like, uh, I think three kids. I'm not sure how old they are, but, uh, it looks like they, overturned that they overturned the, the the conviction now i don't know if there if there will be another trial um or if they're saying well that's it and it's overturned and it was you know she's basically free to go at this point um if you guys know again give me uh give me a heads up on that i'd appreciate it so speaking with some things that have um kind of been in the news maybe kind of not some of you guys know may the know may the name of oh I may know may know the name Michael Dunn. That's what I wanted to say. Michael Dunn was the guy who, uh, and from what I understand, what happened was he was sitting in his car at a like a Circle K type thing. Either they they pulled up or the, I don't know I don't know who was there first. But anyway, it doesn't really matter um he was waiting in his car while his either wife or fiance or something like that went inside to get to get whatever and then he got into a verbal altercation with these four guys that were in the car next to him and it started because i guess they were playing their music real loud and he was like you know you got to turn that stuff down blah 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 and then of course they started getting into it and then he thought that he saw, you know, the barrel of a gun and I guess the other, the, the kid who was, who ended up getting shot and killed, um, I think Jordan Davis was the, the boy who had gotten killed. None of these guys that were in the car, as far as I know that he, and he shot like 10 times into the car. There were other people in the car and none of them had any type of, uh, prior record or anything like that so uh, again I think this is the right call in the case a lot of times when we talk about when do you get involved where are you going to involve yourself why are you going to say stuff when we talk about we're carrying a gun and so if we're going to get if we get into a fight and especially if it's something that we're kind of initiating we're bringing a gun into that fight because it's honest. It's with us. So we have to be extremely careful. Discretion is going to be the better part. What is it? Discretion is the better part of valor. Had he just sat there in his car and said, oh, you know what? They're playing this music. It's not my kind of music. I think it's kind of shitty. I wish they'd turn it down. They're probably not going to. I'm kind of mad. But you know what? I'll just sit here and in a minute... At the most, my wife or girlfriend or whoever will come out, will drive away, and that's going to be the end of it. It's the same exact thing as if 
you were in traffic and somebody cut you off or somebody kind of stopped short or, or did that or they yelled at you or whatever, even though, you know, maybe you cut them off and didn't realize it. You know, are you going to escalate that situation or are you going to have a calm head and be an adult and control your anger and move on and go forward? Or do you let that stuff get the best of you and you're going to teach these guys a lesson? You're going to, you know, you're going to, they're going to do what you say because you don't, you know, you don't have to take any shit from anybody. I've made my views on like when you should get involved and especially if you're going to involve yourself, you know, using your firearm while you're armed, you've got in my, for me, you've got a very, very high standard to meet. So this guy, I think was sentenced to, uh, I think he got life in prison Let's see, blah, 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 blah. Dunn was sentenced to an additional 90 years in prison for three attempted murder convictions and another 15 years for firing into an occupied vehicle. Um, So he got life plus 90 plus 15. And what that means for him is basically, well, he got life without parole. So I was going to say a lot of times, even when they give you a life sentence, you know, you can you can eventually get out through parole, things like that. But it uh, does not does not look like that will be the case here. Uh, but when they do stuff like that, they're basically, the court is basically sending a message. And again, if you go back, you know, it, it goes to, why, why are you involving yourself with somebody else? You know, it, it, it's sort of like the same thing. If somebody's talking loud in a, in a, um, in a movie theater, you know, you can you could say, excuse me, can you guys not talk? That's a reasonable request. And they may tell you to, you know, to fuck off or to go, you know, jump in the lake or whatever. Do you then escalate it if they keep talking? Or do you, you know, get up, you and your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, you and your friends get up and say, you know what? We're going to go out. We're going to go to the manager and we're going to say, look, these people are talking. We asked them to be quiet. They didn't. We would like a voucher for a... um to come back and see this movie at another time where we want our money back. Um, because our experience now is basically kind of ruined. The theater is going to do that. They'll give you a, they'll give you a voucher ticket to come back and stuff. So I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is just when you're involving yourself, it's not just like, Oh, I, I see an attack that's going, I see a robbery that's going down. I see this or that or the other thing. And should I involve myself or should I not? If it's, you know, if I see somebody what I think they're maybe stealing a car, you know, should I intervene as a, it even, it it spills over to, you know, are you going to flip somebody off in traffic? Are you going to yell at somebody? Are you going to just, you know, blast them with the horn constantly? Um, Are you going to run your mouth in a movie theater? Are you, you know, if you're carrying a gun, you are also carrying with you the probably the highest standard of conduct and of self-discipline that is possible. So again, work on that. Envision those things in your head. Run those scenarios through in your head. And if it pops up, you're going to know how to deal with it. Um, and you're not going to let your temper, your temper get the better of you. And you're going to find yourself like this guy. I'm sure when he got out of his car to tell these guys to turn their music down and he had already told them once and now now he's got to teach them a lesson. 
I'm sure he didn't envision himself spending the rest of his life in prison. This guy's 47 years old. Um, but imagine he's 47. Now imagine if you've got your, you know, your, your parents or your grandparents who are 77. Imagine everything, the last, everything that they've experienced for the last 30 years is gone. All those experiences are replaced with you basically being locked in a cage for the rest of your life. So, all right. I think that's enough of the news articles and stuff uh, that I've got. Like I said on that, uh, uh, Marissa Alexander, I'd like to, uh, let me know if you got any more information on that. Also on the uh, Shanine Allen, I don't know again what she'll have to do for the pretrial stuff. I didn't, I didn't find anything on that. But kind of getting back with her, you know, it it does sort of bring up the thing of should you have reciprocity in all the states? And of course, you know, you and I uh, would say yes. It should be basically be treated like your your driver's license. And if you had a, uh, uh, so let's say like for Arizona and I'm traveling, uh, to Oklahoma, if, if, if there were, or Cal, well, let's, we'll use California cause California doesn't honor anything. Let, and let's say that if reciprocity came in, now, even with that, California could say, well, the only thing, the only guns that we're going to allow in is, are going to be, I don't know, like a Glock 42, uh, a Ruger LCP, you know, these are the only things that you can carry, uh, and you can't, and your magazines can't be more than, you know, 10 rounds, whatever. So you still have to kind of go by some of their state stuff. Uh, but at least you could go in armed. And if you did go in and let's say that you had your, uh, like a, uh, a Glock 26, let's say if that was one of their, their things that was on their, on their list that you could come in with and you inadvertently brought in a, like a Glock 19 magazine with you. You had it, you know, stuffed away in a, uh, you know, in a purse or in a bag or something like that. And they found you with it that you would maybe just, it would, it would be confiscated and you would have to pay like a hundred dollar fine or something like that. Again, you know, when we, when we look at these things, when you have these mandatory sentences and you have these things where it's like, well, there is no leeway, there is no discretion. That's when you see, a lot of this stuff that really gets out of hand. And then the prosecutors and the people who are in the, you know, uh, in that state judicial things, well, they'll say, well, our hands are tied. You know, these things were, were brought up by our legislator and there's those, our legislative branch and there's nothing we can do and it has to go forward. And it's, you know, they should have known the law and all this other stuff. So I do think though, that we will probably see within the next probably five years or so, we'll probably see, a reciprocity type type thing. It may be a thing where they they say, well, if it's going to be like a nationwide thing, there's going to have to be certain uh, standards. And they and and if that's the case, what you'll have is so let's say like how Arizona has uh, uh, you don't have to jump through a lot of hoops to get your concealed carry permit if you want it. But what they may say is for the nationwide thing is they may say, well, it has to be a 16 hour course or a 40 hour course or whatever it's going to be. And then you're, you're able to carry pretty much wherever that's something that I could see. 
So anyway, uh, let's see, what else do we got? Oh, I've also got another bit of feedback here. Hey, Tony, this is New York Newbie. Just calling to say I enjoy your podcast and to ask your opinion of the Florida Privacy of Firearms Owners Act, a law passed in 2011 which prevented Florida physicians from asking families about um, whether or not they own firearms in the home. Many physician groups oppose this, and in 2012, the U.S. District Court Judge Marsha Cook issued an injunction preventing the law from taking effect. However, on July 25th of this year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit upheld the law. Many firearm owners tend to support the law, but I feel that it tries to preserve one right, but in order to do that, it limits another right. I feel that the Constitution protects my rights to ask whatever questions I want of the families I take care of, and that we should decide what we feel comfortable discussing. If the family doesn't want to discuss it or declines to answer the questions, that's fine. However, I don't believe the government or anyone else should try to limit what I can ask. In fact, I think that if this can were to continue, that other laws could be passed also limiting what I could discuss with my patients. I was just wondering how you felt about this. And again, I really enjoy your podcast. Hey, New York newbie. Thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. And I hope to hear from you again in the future. On some things, I agree with you. I do not think that anything should really be off limit between the doctor and the patient as pertains to um, medical treatment um, and as pertains to uh, the maybe these certain things that you're doing, smoking, drinking, uh, use of heroin, you know, use of illicit drugs, certain illicit drugs may have adverse effects on your health, if not now, down the road. Firearms ownership does not. And the mere act of owning a firearm, there will be no adverse ill effects to me having those things. Um, and, of course, the difference between let's say smoking, drinking or overeating or, or you know, smoke or, um, you know, drinking to excess, all this stuff, those, there is science behind that that shows that there are, that those are legitimate health concerns. However, the owning of something that is made of plastic and metal, there are no health concerns with that. I'm not going to get a virus. It's not going to over time wear down my immune system uh, anything like that. And you could say, well, look, what if you, you know, shot yourself or what if your kids got a hold of it? Well, it's the same thing of, well, you know, what if your kids got a hold of your car keys, uh, and start up your car and drove off and drove into a wall or drove off a cliff or something. Isn't there a health health risk there? But I've never had a doctor ask me about what kind of vehicle I have owned. Uh, or what kind of car I'm driving. I've never had, you know, a doctor ask me about, well, are you reading any kind of uh, 
what might be considered politically incorrect, inflammatory political books. So things like, you know, uh, libertarian philosophies, are you reading anything about that? Are you reading anything that's, you know, so. Uh, you know, I understand why the legislation was, was put into place. And I think I understand, I understand, I think, why it is upheld and why they say that the me- a medical person or a medical professional cannot ask about firearms ownership because it is not a medical issue. So in in that regard, I think it's fine. Now, I don't know if that if that means if I were, were a patient uh, and was talking to my doctor and he and he was just saying, oh well, what you know, what kind of th-, you know, just as doing small talk, what kind of things do you like to do recreationally? And if I volunteered, oh, I like to uh, shoot steels or I like to do IPSC, and this is what this is, and we get into a conversation about firearms, and then the doctor would say, oh, you know, um, you know, I'm a pro-gun guy, and I make sure I have my guns all locked up when I'm not in control of them. I hope you do that, too. That's just sort of one person kind of talking to another. That is not part of the medical process if that if, if if you know what I mean so long and short that's kind of my answer on that um, and I I in one regard I can kind of see where you're coming from as far as well what other things might that might actually be a legitimate health concern that may be legislated out of you being able to talk to your your patient about so I, I get that, um, but again, in this case, uh, specifically as pertains to firearms, I, I'm going to come down on the side of that I think it was the right thing that the legislation was upheld and probably the right thing that it was put into place, again, because I think it offers us protections going forward. It's just, it's good, it's good to have that. Anyway, I uh, hope that answered your question. Well, I tell you what, I have been jibber-jabbering for quite a while, and so I think I am going to draw the show to a close. Remember, there are tons of other good shows out there that you can listen to. Kind of too many to name, Uh, but I always like to give a shout-out to my boy Ken and uh, to um, Chaz. With their shows, uh, Ken has uh, Modern Rifleman Radio and Chaz has The Road Gunner. And like I said, there's tons of other stuff out there, uh, but I've been yapping along for so much, I think I will call it to a close. And I will talk to you guys next time. Hopefully that will be next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.